0: My name is Drew Cleveland, uh, and I am one of the campus pastors at Focus, and I get the honor of speaking to you guys today and continuing our sermon series. What's really cool is my wife spoke last week, and so you just are getting a lot of the Clevelands. You're just, you're just in it right now. So that's what's going on. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So yeah, I'm, I'm just really honored to speak with you guys, but I'm going to just start off by praying and just asking the Lord to be here with us. Lord, um, I pray that you just take away whatever distractions we're facing right now. I pray that you help us focus in on you. Pray that whatever I say is from you and not just from me. And that whatever you want uh, the people in this room to really hold on to, that it just sticks with them and stays with them. Um, yeah, that we can just keep focused on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. It seems like through worship and through just some of the stuff that's already been shared today, that the Lord is. The Lord has something in mind, and he's already starting to do it, and hopefully as I go through my sermon, you guys will see what I'm talking about and see how he's working. But I'm just going to kind of jump into it. We're doing this, this series on stories from the gospel, and I'm just going to start off by telling this story. So, the, fun, the, the sun was just showing its first signs of going down. It was that time of day where it felt like it didn't matter where you went. The heat just followed you. The summer had been long and dry, but there are hints of August, Er, of autumn coming soon. But for now, the sun was relentless. Martha was inside trying to escape the clutches of the sun. The chores for the morning were all wrapped up, lunch was over, and now was the brief respite she had before she started working on dinner for her family. Her brother Lazarus was out at work and wouldn't be back for hours. And who knows where Mary had gone off to. So Martha went to find her favorite spot in the house to rest a while. But before she could sit down, she remembered that she hadn't yet washed their clothes this week. And Lazarus would need some of his work shirts before tomorrow. So she heads down to the river to start washing the clothes. And on her way, she spotted a group heading towards the village. She wondered if it could be them. Who else in their right minds would travel at this time of day, with the sun scorching down from above? Martha rushed over, and as she neared, almost cried out in joy. It was the great teacher and his disciples, the teacher who had healed her sister, who had changed their life. He greeted her with a warm hug, and she immediately invited them to come stay with her. As Martha led the way back to her house, her mind started filling up with the the task ahead of her. The teacher, 12 disciples, not to mention the handful of others that also were following them. How was she going to feed them all? Where were they all going to sleep? And the smell, they'd been on the road for days. Did she have enough water in the basin for them to wash up? A shout drew her out of her thoughts, and she saw Mary running through the village toward them she just about knocked them over with how fast she ran up to them. Looking at Mary's wide grin pushed Martha's worries aside, at least for the moment. They spent the rest of the walk hearing about their friend's most recent adventures, but the second Martha crossed the threshold into her house, dread crept in. How long had it been since she really cleaned the side rooms? Could she host the great healer with her house in such disarray? She threw herself into action, cleaning, starting dinner, getting more water for them to wash with, taking said dirty water out. Uh, The sun was going down quickly, but luckily James went out to get dinner before before and get some more food for them. What would the group think if she failed to feed them or if she was a bad host and didn't provide a place to sleep for the great healer? And where had Mary gone? Martha hadn't seen her in what felt like hours. Ah, there she was, sitting with the disciples, listening to one of Jesus' stories. Didn't she know, without her help, dinner would be done hours late? And Martha hadn't even been able to start on preparing places to sleep for the group. But she didn't want to interrupt Jesus, so she just went back to work with making dinner. But every chop of a vegetable with every sound of the boiling water, she wondered when Mary would come to help her. Did she not know how inconsiderate she was being? And what about Jesus? Martha guessed he just didn't notice how much uh, Martha was having to work. Enough was enough. When Jesus wrapped up his story, Martha walked into the room, hands covered with flour still, and asked, "'Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me.' Surely he would come to her aid. Instead, there was a pause. Martha took the second to look towards Mary, who sat with a look of embarrassment and hurt on her face. Martha looked back towards Jesus, who met her gaze with those knowing eyes of his. Then a small smile appeared on his lips. Martha, Martha, he said, you're worried and upset about a lot of things, but only a few things are needed, really only one. He looked to Mary sitting quietly beside him. He said, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So obviously this is Luke 10, 38 through 42, and I'm just going to go ahead and read the scripture that I, that I kind of like paraphrase and wrote this story on. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So yeah, when I was thinking about the the story I wanted to choose for this sermon series, um, I mean, there's a lot of stories to choose from, but this one came to mind pretty much immediately. Um, It's a story that's been stuck in my mind for years now, and that is because I am a total Martha. I'm a total Martha who wants to be a Mary desperately. Um, And this story has become a little bit of an inside joke on our staff because Garrett, bless him, would just constantly reference this story. So whenever we were freaking out about, like, a, a, an event that was going on or TNF or whatever, whenever we were getting really stressed, he would just, like, look over and be like, Martha, Martha. And we would all, like, know what it was. And it, it was really funny for the first couple times. And then, the like, 50th time, you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, I get it. And then, but then it gets ingrained in your brain. And then I just started, like, on my, on my own time, if I'm just stressing out about my, my own self, I'll just tell myself in my brain, like, Martha, Martha. Like, oh, Martha, Martha. Like, don't, don't do that. And so that is really my goal with this sermon for you guys. It's not anything flashy. Um, I just want this story to get stuck in your head like it's been stuck in mine. Because it has been a huge, huge help for me. And it's just been a huge blessing for me. So instead of having full-fledged points for this sermon, I've just got a lot of little short reflections that we're going to go through. And most of them are basically me saying the same thing over and over again, but just in different ways. So my first one is busyness is incompatible with sitting at Jesus' feet. Busyness is incompatible with se- sitting at Jesus' feet. And don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about like, just doing things. I'm not talking about like filling your schedule up and you know having like appointments and stuff like that. I'm talking about this overwhelming, pervasive sense of busyness and, and frustration and worry and all that kind of thing. I, I think of it almost as like franticness, like just being frantic and trying to, trying to make everything happen a lifestyle that doesn't allow a moment to really just sit with God. And I know, like, granted, I know there's a lot of young parents here that, like, you, you don't have much time for quiet times in the morning, if any time for that. And I'm also not really talking about that at naming for that. I mean, I, quiet times are great, devotionals, whatever you call them, they're great, you should do them, um, but that's going to look different at different times in your life. What should be consistent is pulling back, no matter what we're doing, even, even from all the busyness in life, and in our minds, refocusing on the Lord, whether that be you're taking care of a child, whether that be you're at work, whatever it is, pulling back and focusing on the Lord. And our hearts and minds kneeling down at the feet of our, of our master and recognizing through the chaos around us that he is what matters the most. All those other things are really important and good, but not in comparison to the Lord. At least personally, sometimes I read this story and I think, like, there's no way I would not just be sitting with Jesus. Like, there's no way. Like, Jesus in the flesh and blood is in my house. Like, I would 100% be there. But then I realized, (laughs) and I think you guys know where I'm going with this, I do have the opportunity to sit with Jesus every single day, and yet I often don't do it. And why? Because I'm too busy and too stressed, and I think there will be time for that later. There's gonna be time for that later in my day, there's gonna be time for that tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes, and I'm busy, and I'm stressed, and I say, the next day. And it just happens again and again and again, that I just keep putting it back. And so when we let this busyness invade us thoroughly, it squashes our ability to find peace at the feet of our Lord. And one of my new favorite quotes, our Focus students have heard it, um, it's from this pastor, John Ortberg. I don't know much about him, but I found this quote online when I was researching for another one of my sermons, and I just loved it. He says, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we'll become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we settle for a mediocre version of it. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. I love that. I love that so much. And I think that's what that passage is talking about. It's warning us of this distraction and rush that we can get into, being Preoccupied even with really good things, which lead us to dangerous places of disconnection from Jesus. Which kind of leads into my, my next reflection, which is good things can be twisted to become deadly distractions. Good things can be twisted to become deadly distractions. It's important to pay attention to what Jesus is actually calling out with Martha in this story. It's not her wanting to serve and be hospitable. This story is right after the Good Samaritan parable. And so I'm like, this is right after Jesus is calling us to serve and look out for other people and love people. It would be really weird if he turned a corner and was like, actually, no, that's not good. Don't do anything except sit and pray all the time. Like That's not what he's doing. That's not what he's calling out in Martha. Those things are really good. Her serving and wanting to take care of the disciples and him, those are really good things. And Jesus doesn't chastise her for that. He corrects her on where her heart is at, that she's anxious, upset, and distracted that she's let those good things become something that is causing her to not look at Jesus. They've become a distraction instead of a fulfillment of her relationship with Jesus. They've become a distraction instead of a fulfillment of her relationship with Jesus. And I think this is one of the devil's most sneaky tactics, at least in my life. He takes something that is really good, that is something I should want and pursue, and then he just twists it and twists it, until it makes it makes it into something that makes me forget about God. Yeah. The the problem wasn't Martha's service. The problem is that she had allowed her service to distract her from what matters most. And I know this problem really intimately. I, I know it way more intimately than I wish I knew it. I have, yeah, I've just always struggled with being consistent with God. I've always struggled with prayer and like and reading scripture consistently um, and having those kind of quiet times. And then I started the Focus Apprenticeship, and I was like, this is my shot. Like, I'm going to be a full-time campus pastor. I'm going to work 40 hours a week. I'm going to be going to Bible studies all the time and doing one-on-ones and, like, fellowship nights. Like, surely I'll be able to focus on God all the time. And then, of course, that doesn't, doesn't happen, right? In reality, I quickly got distracted by the busyness of ministry. I quickly got distracted by making sure everything was going right. I got distracted by oh, this thing's going wrong and I need to go step in here and there to help fix it and run run things and make it go smoother. And I was hardly paying attention to actually connecting to Jesus anymore. All I could see is what was not going well and how I should go step in and serve in those moments. All, of the ways, all I could see is the ways that I needed to step in and help and struggle to keep Jesus in mind as I was so busy to serve him. Like I was trying to serve him and like do things for him and I got so busy and distracted doing that that I actually lost sight of him and connecting with him. And so I would go to things but not really be there. Like it's it's like I was in the house with Jesus but not at his feet listening. And I bet a lot of you guys have had the same kind of struggle. Maybe it's doing really well at work and school. You're You're, you're where you're supposed to be and you're trying to do a good job there. Maybe it's you're taking care of your family. Maybe it's being intentional with people and pouring into others in your life and one-on-ones or whatever it is, these really good things that we should pursue and that are amazing, but yet it still distracts us from actually connecting to Jesus. And my struggle with this is still ongoing, sadly. Like we just had this worship night that some of our students put on, it was great. Um, I think the Lord was also working there because people were sharing about like this distraction they were feeling. And I'm like, yes, like I'm not even in charge of this worship night. And I'm there and I'm like, how can I serve? How can I help? How can I like make things work well? And I'm, like, forgetting, like, I'm just here to be with Jesus right now. Like, that's all I need to do is just be with Jesus right now. And I'm, like, it's still ongoing. But this passage is a constant reminder. Just tell myself, Martha, 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 Martha. Because I need to remind myself that while serving and making things run well are great things, I need to allow myself to sit at the feet of Jesus. All right, next reflection. In the midst of our anxiety and worry, there is freedom in being like Mary. I can often tell how well someone knows me by if they, th- like, if they think I'm an anxious person or not, or if they know if I have anxiety or not. Because at times, I, I think I hide it well. At times, maybe I don't. Maybe I'm fooling myself. But I think at times I, I seem calm and put together. But those who really know me well and have seen me on my good days and my bad days know that I, yeah, I can get really, really anxious a lot of times. Actually, any sort of public speaking makes me incredibly anxious. I often can't eat beforehand and feel like I'm going to puke. I wasn't able to eat this morning because I felt sick. And the whole day or week beforehand, I'm just kind of a nervous wreck. And Darby hates it when I speak because I'm like a nervous wreck like the whole week. And and I take it out on her a lot of times. So she always hates it when I speak. Um, And yeah, I, although God is like really good and he's like growing and growing me in that, and it's getting better and better as I talk more and more, it is far from gone, and that is far from my only anxiety, which is why this story hits so close to home with me. The NIV translates the Greek word, oh, I don't even know how to start pronouncing it. It's like merim now, or I don't know, I don't know. Um, if you saw the word on my page, you would understand why I don't know how to pronounce that word. <laughs> but Okay, that Greek word, uh, the NRV translates it as worry in this. The ESV translates it as uh, anxious, which I think is more accurate looking at the Greek for it. And what's interesting to me when I was looking this up for the sermon is there's another side to this word uh, anxious or worried for the Greek. There's a different kind of meaning for it. It also means to be drawn in different directions, to be pulled apart. It's kind of like, this is an older phrase, but it's our phrase, to go to pieces, like to go to pieces over something. That's kind of what this Greek word is about. It's being pulled in two different directions, pulled apart. So it's often used for anxiety, but it's also often used for this, like, distractedness. And so some translations um, for this passage have it as distracted. Uh, Martha was distracted. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, that also really resonates with my experience of anxiety is I feel pulled in different directions. I feel pulled apart. Like, I feel like there's one side of my brain that knows everything's gonna be okay. Like, this isn't the end of the world. But then there's another side of my brain that is anxious and worried, and it's like they're warring with inside me. And it's just this, like, this pulling and and pushing inside me. And that is, like, how I feel through my anxiety. And I think that's a bit of what Martha is feeling here. And I don't think Martha has zero interest in actually listening to Jesus. Like, I don't think she's like, I don't want anything to do with that. I think maybe one of the reasons why she's so, like, annoyed and, and frustrated with Mary is she's jealous of Mary. She wants to be there. She wants to sit at the feet of Jesus. But she feels like she needs to get all this stuff done beforehand, before she can do that. And that is something I feel on a deep level. Like, I feel like I really want to sit with Jesus, but I let the busyness, anxiety, and distraction of my life get in the way of that. And I don't think the lesson of this passage is to just sit around and do nothing all the time. The point is that when it comes down to it, only one thing is truly essential, and it's pointing us to an undistracted and unhurried life. Yeah. That's why I think there's so much freedom in being like Mary and being able to just sit at the feet of Jesus, even if you're anxious and worried and distracted. Most people, most, uh, you know, scholars, think that this Mary is Mary Magdalene. Some differ, like, depends if you're, like, Eastern Orthodox or the, this kind of Protestant or this kind of Protestant. Other people differ because Mary's a really common name back then. So, like, it could, it could be a totally a different Mary. But a lot of people think it's Mary Magdalene, which I think makes a lot of sense to me. And if it is Mary Magdalene, that is just wild because if you know anything about her story, she has ample reason to be an anxious and distracted person. She really does. She's someone who lived a sinful life and who had seven demons inside her. Can you imagine that? Like for probably years, seven demons inside you. Can you imagine how much that would mess with the person? Like it would be crazy. It would mess with someone so much. And I doubt she was always this like calm and collected and serene person. I really like how The Chosen portrays Mary because it's. You could, she has these really cool like meaningful thoughtful moments, and she is so sweet. But then she also, she's got her stuff. Like, she's got her baggage. And I, like, I'm i like, yeah, I think that's probably pretty accurate of who she probably was. She has every reason to be anxious. But it seems what she learned from that experience was that she couldn't heal herself. The only, that only Jesus was the healer. So she would sit at his feet. He was the only one who could heal her. So my response to my anxiety should not be frantically trying to solve all of my problems. And it's also not becoming apathetic or pulling away from reality to try to escape it. The response I'm called to is sitting at the feet of Jesus. The response I'm called to is going to the only one who actually has the power to really heal my problems. And more importantly, the one who has the power to heal my anxious heart. The one who can provide me a life of health and wholeness even if I battle with anxiety the rest of my life. Only one thing is needed, and that is to sit at the feet of Jesus, even if I'm anxious while I'm doing it. Next reflection. Our worth and value is found in the Lord and not in what we can produce. Uh, I don't know about a lot of y'all, but a lot of my anxiety is about my worth. It's about my self-worth. It's about how I think other people view me and how much they value me. I'm worried that if I don't do something perfect, it will reflect on my value as a person, I'm worried if I say something wrong and people are mad at me, that that reflects on my value as a person. I'm worried that if I keep failing, someday others will realize I'm not worth their time and energy and end up leaving me. It's like a very core fear of mine. And I hazard a guess that Martha might have felt a bit of that, but perhaps I'm reading like way too much into like two lines of scripture, like that could totally be a thing. Um, But I think the Lord wants to speak to our community on this, so I'm using this opportunity. I think in this story you can see that Jesus loves both Mary and Martha. I don't think Jesus was mad at Martha. I don't think he was looking at her with derision or mocking or something like that. I think he looked at her and he loved her. He saw the pain she was causing herself and others and wanted better for her. He understood the pull she was feeling. He understood that tension, the pressure she was putting on herself. And he wanted better for her. He wanted fullness for her, not anxiety and worry. He valued her for her and not what she was able to produce. He was just thrilled to have them sit at his feet and listen. Like a good father. A good father isn't interested in just all the achievements and awards that their children can, can produce. Although, like, I know some of us have fathers that are like that, that have been like that. But that's what it feels like that's all they're interested in. But a good father loves... When the kid just doesn't, yeah, when they accomplish things, that's great. But also, they just want to be with their kid. They just want to spend time with their kid. And they they aren't as interested in how high the kid can build the sandcastle on the beach. They want to build the sandcastle alongside the kid. That's what they want. The same is true with our Lord. He certainly wants us to do things, but our worth doesn't come from them. He wants us to sit with us. He wants to sit with us and love us. And it's just a quick aside um, if you had a father that seemed to only value you for what you could produce, I'm just genuinely so sorry. That, I think I just see that happen in our ministry all the time. These students come in, and that is their expectation of God, because that was what their father put on them. And I think that's one of the most heartbreaking things that I just see on a, on a regular basis. But luckily, we have a father who's really, really good and values us for ourselves, that loves us more deeply than we can know, and he just wants to build that sandcastle alongside us. And so if you grew up with a father that modeled that well, thank them. It's it's Father's Day after all, so call them. uh, Maybe don't give them a text. Maybe actually call them or write them a letter or do whatever you guys do. All right, aside, over, back to the thing. Um, Yeah, Jesus' words to Martha can be seen as an invitation rather than a rebuke. Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. The one thing that is needed is for Martha to receive the gracious presence of Jesus, to listen to his words, to know that she is valued not for what she does or how well she does it, but for who she is as a child of God. Next reflection. There are many things out of our control, but sitting at Jesus' feet is within our control. Something I've been wrestling with recently, or just maybe just becoming way more aware of, is just how little is actually in my control uh, Darby and I have had a lot of like big decisions uh, in front of us lately, and it feels like I'm trying to like predict the future and like make the perfect call that's gonna work out perfectly, and then it never happens, because I can't predict the future, and I am not in control of that. I'm not in control of the future. I can't make all the right calls. I can't make everyone in my life happy with me, no matter how hard I try. I can't make myself perfectly healthy or keep the people in my life pe- perfectly healthy. I can't know the right answer all the time. I can't fully control my financial stability. I can't be perfect. I can't make my marriage perfect. I can't get rid of all the hurt in the world. I can't meet everyone's expectations of me. I can't meet my expectations of me. But I can sit at the feet of Jesus. That is something that is within my power to do. And I feel like I spend so much of my life running around and running around trying to control a bunch of stuff that I can't actually control, instead of doing the one thing that I actually can do and I actually can control, which is sitting at the feet of Jesus. That is one of the few things that is really within my power to do. Next reflection. This one's real short. We're called to sit at the feet of Jesus for others as well as for ourselves. We're called to sit at the feet of Jesus for others as well as for ourselves. This is really a point Shayla made, and I'm just, like, putting it in here because <laughs> uh, I think it's an incredibly helpful reminder. We are not meant to be spiritually gluttonous. We don't sit at the feet of Jesus to keep feeding and feeding and feeding ourselves for no reason, other than to just feel really good about our spiritual walk. That is not the goal here. We sit at the feet of Jesus so that we are filled up and then able to go fill up others. It's not just about us. Jesus is always pointing us to go and love others. That's why it wasn't bad for Martha to be hospitable. That's why right before this story, he talks about the good Samaritan. Yet oftentimes, we end up, uh, skipped a a paragraph, uh, both listening and doing. So both listening and sitting at the feet of Jesus and going out and doing things are vital to Christian life. It's just like inhaling and exhaling. Yet oftentimes, we end up never breathing in deeply or never exhaling, both of which would lead to death for our bodies. And I think that's probably true for our spiritual lives as well. All right, last reflection. Sitting at Jesus' feet has eternal consequences. Doing all the right things might not. Sitting at Jesus' feet has eternal consequences. Doing all the right things might not. And I really do, I really do believe that what we do in this life matters. I believe that every act of love and service and kindness is somehow not forgotten and is taken into the life to come. I, I totally believe that. I totally believe whatever we build here, we are slowly and somehow magically helping build the kingdom. But I also believe that without a relationship with Jesus, it doesn't matter how many dishes you scrub and it doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't get you eternal life. This reflection is like really on the nose, but yet it's something that I often forget. I'm bombarded for hours each day by media that tells me what really matters is doing this or that, is, uh, I don't know, like, like what I wear or what I buy or the TV shows I like. Like that's what really matters. What really matters is the, the opinions I hold and, and having all the right opinions. Or whatever that is. Instead of the truth, which is what really matters is who I'm in relationship with, namely Jesus. He's the only one who can save me. Not if I check all the all the right boxes in life. That doesn't save me. But those check boxes are really, really tempting because you get this little dopamine hit every time you check off one of those check boxes. Every time you do one of those things that you feel like, oh, that makes me a good person. It feels really good because you can check that box off. And cultivating a relationship with Jesus is not nearly as easy as just checking off a box. It can feel much harder. It doesn't give me the same dopamine hit that, like, scrolling on TikTok does. But my relationship with him will last into eternity, where my relationship with TikTok will not. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully TikTok's not in the <laughs> kingdom. <laughs> I hope not, man. That, that thing distracts my whole life. Um, so as we, as we kind of come to a close here, the tech team is going to put up these slides. And so I want to just lead us and kind of guide us into a time of reflection and just honestly just sitting at the feet of Jesus for a little bit. And so while I was researching for this sermon, I found this cool website I'd never come across before where people like kind of post uh, just like a verse or a passage and then people post these like little prayer reflections for them. And I found this really cool prayer reflection, which I think is, yeah, this one up top. And yeah, I wanted you guys to just read that and I can read it, I guess, over you guys and just kind of sit in this And help it prepare you for a time of reflection. And then, yeah, we're just gonna have some time of just solitary being with Jesus and praying through these questions. I want you guys to just pray through each of these questions here at the bottom. But I'm gonna read that little paragraph to set us up, and then I'll be done talking, and then someone will eventually, probably Josh is gonna come up and do announcements afterwards. So, here I am, sitting at Jesus' feet, ready to receive his word into my heart. The call of Martha is strong and familiar. There are so many practical things to be done, so many other ways in which I might spend my time. But instead, I bring my attention to the one who is worth my time. I bring my attention not to the tasks I have before me, but on who Jesus is asking me to become. All right, thanks, y'all.
1: Drew, thank you so much. That was great. Let's give Drew a hand. <laughs> I felt both convicted and encouraged by it, like back and forth constantly. Um, and also thanks, Garvin, for the poem that you shared today. Where'd you go? Um, yeah. And the whole worship team. Great worship this morning. We didn't have like a moment to like cheer for the poem. It was like straight into discussing. And I told Garvin, I was like, he probably planned that on purpose so that we wouldn't get a chance to appreciate it him, but thank you for sharing that with us this morning. Um, and happy Father's Day to all the fathers. <laughs> Nate just looked like so surprised. He was like, oh my gosh, I'm one. I'm a father. <laughs> was, Danilo was born after Father's Day last year, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is your first one. Awesome, dude. Well, thanks. Say congrats to the followers around us and to your own father or any father figure you've had in your life and just be thankful for them today. And uh, we're going to get to some announcements, so don't miss some of these details. And um, the first one is just that the faith class that Brad's leading started today. If for some reason at eight thirty or at eight thirty this morning here, if for some reason you signed up for that but didn't get details from Brad or didn't get didn't get an email or whatever, talk to him afterward. And you can get connected. I think most people did get the details they needed, but just in case you fell through the cracks, talk to Brad, and um, you can get kind of connected on the details of which articles to read and 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 all that stuff. Which week is what and whatnot. So um, the next thing is the men's hangout, men's breakfast is next Saturday. Don't worry, that's not who's on the menu. He's just gonna <laughs> he could, he might be there. Who knows? We didn't actually ask. So but he really wants you to come. Look at the joy on his face. So we're going to be hanging out at Ryan Plaché's house, the Plaché place, the Plaché Che, if he's in French, you know, Chez or whatever, um, at at 9 a.m. and Ryan's like, just stop doing that. Um, at 9 a.m. and we're going to have a special guest with us. We're going to have breakfast. It'll be really enjoyable. P- please come. It's kid-friendly too. Edra's going to be there with me. So um, yeah, please don't miss that. It is next Saturday at 9 a.m. at Ryan's house. And then, Opal, will you come share with us about the sur- the uh, seminar next week? <laughs> Woohoo! Are you here to cut me off when I No, more announcements after you.
2: Okay, hi. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm slightly more prepared than last week when I shared. Um, yeah, so it's 11 to 2 on the 25th, the same day as this men's thing. Um, so, men go to this, women come to the seminar. I'm taller than you, Jam. Um, yeah, so I wanted to share a little bit more of the heart behind it. You can get all the details from the email. If you don't get the email, your SOLs sign up for the email. <laughs> um, but, like... I can text you the link, but there is, uh, in the email, there's an RSVP to bring some stuff for the potluck, and there's also all the times, dates, RSVP to come, all that jazz. But, yeah, I realized that I didn't explain the event very well, so I'm just going to do that really fast, because we got some questions in our women's group, me. which, if you're not a part of that, see a woman after church. Um, Okay, so, yeah, I, um, me and Kaylee and Leslie planned for quite a while um, a lot of women's things because we heard from the the what do we call it the cohort the cohort survey um that y'all feel pretty disconnected from each other and just really want you know more relationships um and we just heard some of y'all's needs and so we've just been planning uh because Kaylee and I are on the cohort so we've just been planning women's events for you guys. So we did the book club and we're doing this like other thing that's coming up that we haven't announced yet but don't worry we care about you. Um, And we're doing this seminar. And so, yeah, there uh, we've been praying ridiculous amounts about what that's going to look like and what we think y'all need. And, you know, like I, you know, I thought about like what Haley needs and what Melissa needs and what Annelle needs and, you know, what the girls from Angelica's house need as they're all moving into these different stages of life and like trying to figure out how to maintain friendships with, All of these different women in different stages of life. And so, like, as we prayed and thought through all of that, this seminar came up as an idea of something where we could have women from different stages of life, because we don't have them here, um, come and talk to you about, like, how to love Jesus and love each other really well as you transition like crazy over the next probably decade of your lives. Um, because we're a pretty young church and we talk about that a lot, but I think we just really wanted to set up what success looks like because I don't know what I'm doing. And if you ask me, I don't really have much to tell you other than I can pray for you and I'm here for you as you go through that, which I think is the advice I hear a lot as well. (laughs) So yeah, we just wanted to set like a cast division for you guys and we don't have very many people signed up. So I'm also up here to challenge you to sign up um, because we're really excited to have you and we really want you guys to be friends friends um to the best of your ability because you have crazy schedules like my friend emily who works nights and is about to have another baby um so like yeah we're here to for all of you in your different seasons and yeah we just really want to support you guys and also bring some cool food because i know y'all can buy food or you can make food y'all all are capable of doing that and we can eat and be friends together for a couple of hours okay cool
1: Brad, you want to come share about the College of Ministry stuff? While Brad's coming up, uh, just, (laughs) nice, that was so fast. Never mind, go ahead.
3: Uh, Yeah, so faith class, you still can join if you'd like. Uh, Each week's kind of different. I'll send all that uh, information out. Uh, Also, this year, many of you know we have pastoral cohort, which is kind of like our way of training up uh, ministers and pastoral staff from all of our churches. We do it every semester. We're going to offer something in addition to that this semester, and we're calling it College of Ministry because we don't have any better name to call it. Um, But basically, uh, this is a a kind of a course class. It meets once a month. There's two tracks. It meets for the semester, um, and it's for people who are kind of already in a ministry role or maybe new to ministry and don't have the time to, like, do the cohort. So it's not cohort light, so to speak, because it's going to have different material. One track is going to be for actually, like, current ministry issues. The other track is going to go through Old Testament, New Testament foundations, and Christian history, which is pretty involved. It's a class that the uh, apprentices and focus staff have been going through for a long time. But again, it's once a month for six uh, months, and uh, if you're interested in that, uh, you only have like a week left to sign up for a week and a half, sorry. Um, But there's a link on our Mighty Network, Mighty Ducks and Announcements (laughs) uh, newsletter thing. Okay, ask me if you have any questions, bye-bye. Nice.
1: Yeah, definitely check that out. It's a good plug for our Mighty Networks thing, our 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 other social network, which is you can go to it at northchurch.com slash social network, you can sign up there. But um, yeah, Brad's been working on that and actually there have been a lot of people who've asked about something like that, who really wanna grow and want to learn in their current stage of life but don't maybe have the capacity to do the cohort for some reason, or they're already very, very plugged in and have a lot of things on their plate as part of the church they're already in, but they still want to learn and grow. And so this is a way of responding to the, that group of people who, who need that. So, yeah, if, you've, if that's you, definitely get more information and sign up for that. And the last thing is just our giving. You can give at debtnorthchurch.com slash donate, and you can also give on our Venmo. And when you give, you give to you, yourself you're giving to something that's pouring back into you and your neighbor next to you. Also to our community, our Denton, our city of Denton, as well as just the kingdom of God. We want to be a church that both like serves you really well, serves our city really well, and looks out for serving the grander kingdom. That means planting a church somewhere else in the DFW area. We want to be part of that. We want to be looking for all those different areas. And I think I'm going to bet. Oh, yeah. Melissa's going to add something.
2: Okay, I'm gonna, yeah, shame, you can shame me. I'm gonna re-plug Mighty Networks and say, we're planning a sprinkle for the Robinsons, woo! And for those of you who don't know what a sprinkle is, it's not a shower, because they've already been showered with gifts for their first baby. For their second baby, we just sprinkle them. And you can get the deets on the Mighty Network, but it's July 2nd from 11 to 1. And we're asking that people, they can come by. You can swim. You can just hang out. It doesn't matter. There will be some light refreshments. But if you would just bring some maybe like diapers or wipes or a gift card, all the details of what types of diapers they like and various sizes, whatever, is on the Mighty Network. So go to the Mighty Networks and RSVP so I know how many baked goods to make. Okay, sorry I didn't make a cute slide. Bye.
1: That's it. I'm going I'm to pray for us real quick, and then we can start stacking the chairs. Lord, you're so good to us. Thank you so much for the reminder this morning through Drew of just sitting at your feet. Help us to do that and not be people who forget what we've heard today and forget the truth we've been reminded of as we go back into our lives this week. And help us just to also encourage each other. Um, we need that so much. So Lord, help us to, to do that ourselves, to keep our eyes fixed on you, and to look out for each other. And um, just remind each other to sit at your feet. You're so good to us. Thanks for just the chance to worship you and just to love you. And thanks for being such a good, good father to us and modeling that so well. Uh, It's in your name we pray, amen.
2: Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week.